It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not every one was clean. That's certainly an interesting text, isn't it? Foot washing. Uh, this sometimes this has this has become a an ordinance in churches. They they look at this text and they say, Well, we see the text, we see where Jesus was washing the feet of the disciples, and so we feel like that this ought to be some sort of a sacrament. And so along about the third century, the Roman Catholic Church as it was developing, it had not developed until that time, but as it was developing, they, they set forth this idea of foot washing as a sacrament, as an ordinance. And there are certain churches today that still practice it. Now, some of the things we have to look at in that text is, first of all, the only one washing feet was Jesus. And he said, what I'm doing you don't understand, but you'll understand it later. Now, when someone washes someone's feet, you understand it. It's not something that's a great mystery. But Jesus was telling these men that he was going to wash their feet, and in doing so, every one of them would be clean, except one. That was Judas Iscariot. So now what he did at this point was the... I thought I, I, thought I was giving a signal, no signal. Anyway, what, what was going on at this point was that Jesus was preparing these men to carry out his will in the coming kingdom. And so he was cleansing them from their sins. Because when he said, of course, as he washed everyone's feet, their feet were clean. But he said, not all of you are clean, talking about Judas Iscariot. So Judas was not a cleansed individual. He was still, uh, what would you call it, uh, polluted? He was still polluted by his sins. Both the servants, probably, as they came in to eat, the, the servants, in all likelihood, had already washed the feet of the disciples, washed all their feet, before they sat down to the meal, because that was a custom of the day. Jesus was doing something in addition to that. And what he was doing, obviously, was he was washing the feet. 
Now, a prime example of what was going on, this was a custom in that time and day. And a, a good example of this is found in, the, in an instance in Luke chapter 7. If you have your Bible, you might want to turn to that text. In Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 50, Jesus, and this was just before the time that, that we're talking about here when he was going into the city of Jerusalem and, and there he was going to be betrayed and, and uh, lose his life. But in Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 50, this text tells us something about the, the, uh, the tradition that was going on, the custom in the land concerning the, the foot washing, the washing of feet. Verse 36 begins in Luke chapter 7. It says, One of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down at meat. Now, before we go any further, the Pharisees were enemies of Jesus. They were not his friends. So they had, here, here he was going into enemy territory. So one of the Pharisees said, come eat with us. And his name was Simon. Now it says, behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, I want to stop here again. This woman saw him go in and she knew he was going in among hostiles. That he was going into a place where he was really not welcome. So she followed. And he says, She brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears, did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spoke within himself. Now he didn't say anything out loud, but Jesus knew what he was saying. He said, this man, if he were a prophet, he would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touches him, for she's a sinner. Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say to you. And he said, Master, say on. Which actually gives you some idea of the hypocrisy of the day. He's calling Jesus Master, and he, in his own heart he knew he was not the Master. He didn't, he didn't respect him as such. And he said, anyway, Jesus went on. He said, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence, the other 50. When they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them would love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose. Now, Simon knew. He said, I suppose. That uh, he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, you have rightly judged. He turned to the woman and he said, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she's washed my feet with tears, wiped them with the hairs of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in has not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil you did not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my head with ointment. Wherefore I say unto you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. He said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. They that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgives sins? He said to the woman, Your faith is saved. You go in peace. Now, the, uh, the practice of washing feet in those times reflected the character of a good host or a good hostess. The type of person they were. Now again, this text tells us that when he went into the Pharisee's house, nobody made any sort of a move to welcome him as, any, as, as a guest. Not at all. He said, you didn't even give me any water to wash my feet. 
So, and you didn't give me any oil to put on my hair. Basically, when they were in that dry and arid climate, their hair would dry up and get brittle. And so a gracious host would provide a small amount of olive oil that they could rub in their scalp and uh, take away the effects of the heat of the sun. And he said, uh, you didn't greet me with a kiss. Now that's the way they greeted. Now think about it. Someone comes into someone's host today in their home and the host does not even shake their hand. Think about it. You didn't even give me a kiss. The New Testament indicates that people greeted one another with a holy kiss. That's what Paul said to the church at Rome. He said, greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you or salute one another with a holy kiss. He told the church at Corinth, and they were having problems, he told the church at Corinth two times to greet each other with a holy kiss. And he told the church at Thessalonica, he said, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. Shake their hand. Make them feel welcome. They didn't do that. Jesus came as a guest, and what did they do? Nothing. Just let him come in. What do you think the woman thought when she saw that going on? She knew what was going on, didn't she? She knew exactly what was happening. That he was being, he was being ill-treated. He was being disrespected. He was being dishonored. Now you think about it a minute. This was God in the flesh. God in the flesh. And they're not even giving him the common courtesy of the day. You think he felt welcome there? Well, the woman saw that. She didn't have any water, but she had her tears. So she washed her feet. She stood behind him, not in front of him. Behind him. Washed his feet with her tears. She didn't have a cloth. She wiped, wiped them dry with her hair. She didn't presume to greet him with a kiss. She didn't feel like she had that right to greet the Son of God with a kiss. So she kissed His feet. She was uh, too shy and too reticent to presume to anoint His head with oil, but she anointed His feet with her costly ointment. And you know what the Pharisee said? Simon, he said, if he'd known who this was, he wouldn't let her touch him. Nobody else wanted to touch him. She touched him. Well, let's talk about let's talk about what was going on. Dirty feet. Now that wasn't the issue. That's not the issue at all. It's obvious from these texts that the washing was symbolic. It had a deeper meaning. What Jesus did to the disciples, they probably already had their feet washed when they came to supper. That's that's the custom. That's what happened. So what Jesus was doing was cleansing these men. Of their sins, basically. That's what he was, what he was, what was happening. And he said it, and we know that because he said, there's one of you guys going to wash his feet. One of you not going to get clean. Okay? Even though he had his feet washed. He wasn't going to get clean. Okay. Let's see. What was the purpose of it? What's going on? Well, the, uh, the, this custom that they had, the way they greeted visitors, was to show that they were welcome. So here was God in the flesh, a guest on this earth. Was he welcome? 
Was he welcome? Did people welcome him with open arms? Say, oh, we're so glad to see you. Come on in. We're going to do everything we can to make sure that you feel comfortable, that you feel at home with us in our homes. The act was was the uh, the act of foot washing was an indication of a hearty welcome to the guest. How do we do it? We shake our hand. We put our arm around the back. We pat them. We hug them. We let them know we're glad you're here. Come into my home. We're glad you're here. How did the world welcome Jesus? They weren't glad he was here, were they? Didn't didn't give him a kiss. Didn't do anything. It was part of the expected decorum. Actually, that's that was anticipated. I used to preach a sermon called "How loud How loud are your dogs?" It was one of the favorites of my kids. The Arabians, when they camped out in the wilderness on their journeys and on their different uh, tra- traversing of the countryside in the wilderness, they'd, they would, uh, at, when they'd camp, they had a ritual and a habit and a custom that they would build large fires at night so that they could welcome the traveler who was lost, the stranger. Welcome the stranger. And they kept loud dogs so that they didn't have to stay up all night keeping the fires lit. They had dogs that they purposely wanted to bark loudly so that the stranger could be attracted to their camp. And then they kept them as their guest for three days. Friend or enemy. Well, when Jesus got here, there were no fires for him. There was no loud dogs around. There was nobody saying, Oh, welcome! You're here! You're here! Just a couple of people that Luke talks about. They're really happy to see him. One was an old woman, and another was an old man, a couple of, couple of old folks in the city of Jerusalem waiting for him. Just two, two people. So, and when he went to the house of Simon, they, was he an honored guest? Not at all. The uh, foot washing was part of the decorum. That's what people did. Ordinary things. It just happened. It's what everybody did. How was Jesus treated? I've got a text here. This is, this is the only text really in Luke chapter 7 that we have of them really disrespecting Jesus. I mean totally disrespecting Him. And not offering Him the same decorum and respect that anyone else would have, anybody else would have. That, that's the only text we have of that. But we do have texts that tell us about how spitefully they looked at Jesus. How they looked down upon Him. Now in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9-11, through 11, it says, As Jesus passed forth from thence, He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And He said unto him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And then guess what happened? Matthew was so tickled that Jesus chose him. And Matthew must have been a very wealthy man because he put on a big feast, big party, big banquet, invited everybody in. And it says, It came to pass that Jesus sat to meet in his house. Behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Everyone was having a good time. Except, except when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why is your master eating with publicans and sinners? The very people that should have welcomed Jesus 
been willing to sit down with him and have a meal and treat him like someone that they really wanted in their midst, they didn't want him. They didn't want him. In Matthew 26, how did they look at him? How did they look at Jesus? What, what did they see when they saw Jesus? Someone, hey, we really like this guy. What if the President of the United States came into the community? What would the community do? They'd roll out the red carpet. Everybody would go crazy. He's here. Whenever the President comes, what happens? We get the National Guard out. We get the police out. We get the fire, fire trucks out. We get everybody. We get the parades going. When Jesus came, what happened? They said, who is this guy? That's what they said. Who is he? Matthew chapter 26, verse 65, it says that, that same hour, Jesus said, when he was getting ready to leave, he said, that same hour, you came out as against a thief with swords and staves to take me. What is he saying? You look at me like you would a common thief, a thug. That's how you're viewing me. You look at me like I'm an intruder. Like I don't belong here. They came out and got him and took him away and killed him. The uh, foot washing was an attitude of respect for the guest. You know, I, I just respect you. I'm glad you're here. But in Mark chapter 6 at verse 1 it says, and let's, let's, look, let's look at how Jesus was treated. He went out thence and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. This is just a snippet from the life of Jesus. When the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man come from? Where did he get these things? From whence came this man? How is he doing this? But what wisdom, what wisdom has been given unto him? Even mighty works were wrought by his hands. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this just kids from the village? Who is this? That's how they looked at him. He's nobody. He's a nobody. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, Simon Ju and uh, Judah and Simon? Aren't his sisters with us until this day? And they were offended. They didn't like him. They, they thought the very fact that he was here disrespected them. Now, Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, his own house. So basically, when Jesus came as a guest to our world, how do we treat him? Who is this guy? He's just a neighbor kid. He's just neighborhood. We know him. We know his father. We know his mother. We know his brothers and sisters. He's nobody. Nobody important. Let me read another text to show you how things went in terms of the hospitality that should have been shown. And part of this has to do with, with uh, what Jesus told the apostles to do. In Matthew chapter 10, if you want to look at that text. Matthew chapter 10, verse 11 through 14. Jesus is sending His apostles, disciples at that time. And He just, he just named them and called them apostles. He's sending them out to preach the kingdom to preach to people that He was on His way. He was coming to see them. Now here's what He told them to do. He said, Into whatsoever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till you go thence. He had previously told them, don't take any money, don't take an extra suit of clothes, 
Don't take any script. Don't take any provision. Don't take, take extra shoes and so forth. But basically what he's telling him, he said, I want you to go as a stranger who's going to be taken care of by your host and hostesses. Okay? So now he says, when you come into a, into a house, salute it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. Now how would they know whether or not they were welcome? Well, if the, if the host or hostess gave them a holy kiss, gave them oil for their hair, water for their feet, and respected them, welcomed them, wanted them to come in, made them feel welcome. He said, whatsoever, if the house be worthy, let your peace, let, let, let your peace remain. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you, the people that are not going to do that, he said, nor hear your word when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. You haven't had it washed off. He said, shake it off. Shake off the dust of your feet. Why? Because these people don't want you there. They don't respect you. You're not going to get any relief from them. Well, the, uh, the foot washing, we have to understand, was a matter of washing these men when Jesus did it and making them clean from their sins. Now, we have a washing as a Christian. It's called baptism. Now, after Jesus rose from the dead, He told the apostles, He said, Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even on the end of the world. And then He told them in another, another context, He said, Go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. Now that's the washing that we have. Well, our feet are not washed to cleanse us. Their feet were washed to cleanse them of their sins. But our, our, our whole body is washed when we're baptized. Hebrews chapter 10.22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. He's talking about baptism, isn't he? So that's our washing. We don't need, we don't have foot washing. That's not what has been left for us to cleanse us. Jesus cleanses us by baptism by faith. Ephesians 5, 25 and 26, Paul said, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Okay. Paul was told when he was still Saul the Apostle, when he was on his way to crucify and, and to, to uh, uh, I can't think of my word, persecute Christians. Acts chapter 22-16, he was arrested on that road and he was told by Ananias when he came to the house of Ananias, why do you tarry? Why tarryest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Okay. Now, let's stop right here. Jesus was not welcome in our world. We know that. We know He wasn't welcome. 
And we, we know it from the way they treated him. They didn't welcome him. They didn't use the common decorum on him. They didn't respect him. And they didn't give him any relief. We didn't. We didn't. Get out of our world. Don't come in our house. Stay away. Nailed him to the cross. What did he say? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Well, how about us in his world? Does he want you there? I don't know why, but he does. He's invited us. He's invited every one of us to come into his world. He'll treat us right. He'll wash us. That's what we're told. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, From Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness, first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. What kind of guest are we to come into the presence of God? How can we come into his presence? He's invited us. He's invited us to come in as an honored guest. He really has. Even though we're dirty. We're filthy. We are the thugs. We're the offscour in the world. We're not, we're not the son of God or sons of God or daughters of God. We're, we're the sons of the evil one. We, we come with dirty hands and dirty feet and dirty bodies. Dirty souls, dirty hearts, dirty mouths. And yet, he said, come on. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9-11, this, this text impresses me. It says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. He said, But such were some of you. This is the kind of people you were. This is who you were. But you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Jesus washed our feet when we were baptized into Him. Made us clean. Our invitation to join Him and His Son is in the Scriptures. He wants us. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Him that hears says, Come. Come and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will let him take of the water of life freely. Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. We can come into the kingdom because we've been invited. And when we come into the kingdom, we can be regenerated, refreshed, made whole again. In Titus chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Coming into God's presence by invitation, by being regenerated, gives us relief. When we come into the kingdom, through baptism into Jesus Christ, our confession that He is the Son of God, and our giving ourselves to Him, it's a place of relief from a burden of guilt. Now, the very people that put Jesus on the cross are welcome in His house. He was not welcome in theirs. Not at all. Get out. We're not going to wash your feet. We're not going to relieve any sunstroke you might have. We're not, we're not going to make you feel good. We're not going to re receive you with open arms. We're going to put you on the cross and say, get out of our world. 
Then he turned right around and said, okay, come into mine. Come into my world. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 37 and 38, the very people that did that, Peter was preaching to them. And he told them what they had done. And I said, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for remission of sins, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when you ask the question, Will God take me in? Will He let me come into His place? Will He receive me? The answer is yes, He will. And He'll forgive you. He'll give you remission of sins. And in the presence of God is comfort. You know, there's no greater comfort than we can have than that things are right between us and God. No greater comfort. Sometimes when you get cross with a friend, it's very comfortable to get straightened out again, isn't it? When you become crosswise with with your mate, oh, what 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 a wonder it is! What what a comfort it is when you get all that behind you and you're going along on the road again and doing well. Look at the comfort you have. Look, Think about it. When God says, if you'll come with me, I'll comfort you. We'll, we'll, we'll have everything. Everything will be right between us. Don't worry. And I'll take care of you when the things go the worst for you. I'll be there. In 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 13 and 14, he says, We are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit, belief of the truth, and the glory, he said, you'll be called by the gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. When he calls you, he'll comfort you and he'll take care of you. Now, I didn't want to preach the sermon this morning to ask you whether or not you're welcoming Jesus in your home. I wanted to preach this sermon this morning to tell you that you're welcome in His home. You're welcome in His place. And if you haven't been, if you haven't been washed, He's ready to wash you and to make you clean from your sins. And if you have gone astray, He's going to welcome you back. He'll greet you with open arms. He'll give you that invitation. He'll treat you like He does all of His other loved ones. He'll welcome you with a holy kiss. He'll wrap His arms around you and say, Welcome back. Welcome, welcome. Don't leave again. Stay with Me. He'll comfort you. He'll keep you clean. If you haven't done that, you need to do it. If you have done it, you need to remember it. Remember what God has done for you. You are a guest now in his house and he'll treat you right. Let's stand and sing the song that we've selected for the invitation. <laughs>